Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. If you'd like to contact The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can go to our website at thesecretteachings.info. You can contact us there or listen to the show after it airs for free. You can also listen to the show for free on any radio or podcast player or application. Just search The Secret Teachings. And when you do listen to the show for free outside of this broadcast, we get kickback from that. We get advertisement kickback, monetized advertisements. So if you're listening for free and you have to hear some of those advertisements, I thank you. I appreciate it because it supports what we do. If you want to get rid of those ads, though, of course, you can subscribe on the website and get rid of them that way. You'll be supporting the show directly, and you will not have to listen to those advertisements in the show. Our discounted yearly subscription is active until the beginning of the new year. All on our website. Pretty simple. If you have any questions, though, do shoot us an email. So on Tuesday this week, I prepared a show called Another Year Older, Another Year Colder. And as I went to do the show, about halfway through the show, almost at the end of the show, I started to have this weird feeling in the back of my throat. Like my throat was, wasn't itching, but it almost felt like I had swallowed something and I, you know, it was kind of stuck in my throat. And so after the show was over, I sent it into the network and normally that's as much as I need to do. I send it in, put up the promo and I'm, I'm done. I prepare the next night's show. But for some reason, I didn't double check to make sure the email sent. That was totally on me. And the one night I don't double check it, is the night that the email does not go through to ground zero. So Mike did not receive it to put it into the, put it into the player. And you heard a replay as a result of that on Tuesday night. So we ended up playing Tuesday show last night. I just redid the date for it. And uh, last night's show, another year older, another year colder, got a good response from that. But I also know that of the people that emailed me, a couple people said that their emails got kicked back to them. So I'm not sure if there's something wrong with my email at least the Yahoo email, the Proton Mail email seems to work just fine. But whatever the case, thank you for being patient. Uh, we had Monday off because of Christmas and then Tuesday just had a mishap. That is all my fault, though. That is not uh, Mike's fault. Mike was able to get up, uh, get a show up and uh, play a replay for us. And one of the things that um, I wanted to share with you, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, is it's kind of, it's kind of scratchy or kind of maybe it's softer. That's how, that's how I interpret it. I'm kind of a perfectionist. So that's how I'm hearing my, hearing my voice. Maybe you don't hear that, but that little scratchy tingly sensation I felt Tuesday turned into basically a night of Tuesday into Wednesday, turned into a night of not sleeping. And although this might be too much information uh, to be blunt with you, just vomiting. And I have no idea why. Uh, it, it was like the last time I had food poisoning, I think it was like last January I had food poisoning and that's pretty much all I did. I threw up, threw up, threw up, and then I was fine. And I think maybe something similar happened this time because I feel okay, but for some reason my throat is still really irritated. And of course, after you throw up, you know, the acid it burns your esophagus. And if your throat didn't hurt before you throw up, it's going to hurt afterwards. So my throat's kind of, I don't know if it, I don't know if it even hurts. It just kind of feels weird. And it's kind of hard to get that that deep radio voice going. So if you hear anything weird tonight in my voice, that's what it is. I'm totally fine. I feel uh, well. It's just something's wrong with my throat. 
which of course for radio, you know, sucks because this is my livelihood. So please go download and listen to some extra shows this week to help us with the monetized ads because we were a little bit behind on that, not having a show Monday or Tuesday. If you did catch last night's show, though, another year older, another year colder, I thought it was a really good show, especially coming out of the Christmas break. We covered a lot last night. We looked at how NASA is once again doubling down on how they say civilized industrialization is the reason why we have these terrible winter storms, the reason why we have these frigid temperatures, these unbelievably cold wind chills, and that if we didn't have industrialized everything, then we wouldn't have these climatic problems. NASA has said that this was this week, NASA has said that because of industrialization, that even though temperatures are really, really low, temperatures are really, really cold, that's actually a result of global warming. But see, NASA is missing a few key points. They're, they're stating that based on the idea that average air temperatures, if they, let's say in, in a particular location, if average air temperatures stay warm and they stay warm for a very long period of time, then the atmosphere begins to hold more water vapor in those locations, which is pretty much what our atmosphere is. It's mostly all water vapor. And then that can increase the potential for extreme rain. So when the temperatures do begin to drop, things get a little bit colder, then you get more snow, you get more ice, you get more freezing temperatures coupled with those things. Now that's according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. This is what NASA is saying. That's the science they're basing their their statement on, that global warming is causing what amounts to global cooling. But again, there's a few key points that are missing from that statement, that assertion. In geological and environmental terms, humans have not really been here that that long. We have not really been on planet Earth for that long, at least, you know, by conventional standards. And within that period of time, it's only been a very, very small slice of that amount of time for humans to have engaged in any kind of industrialization. Uh, And that's only happened in a handful of, you know, in, in terms of how long we've been engaged in industrialization, the mid-1800s, somewhere around there. Um, it's, it's not every country. It's only a handful of very developed countries. But industrialization can also be a positive thing in ways that NASA won't tell you. NASA and, you know, NOAA and others won't tell you. They, you know, they, I guess they don't even consider it. You know, famously, London used to be this terribly polluted place. That was largely because you have a super high concentration of people living in this one area. People have trash. People are burning fires to stay warm. New technologies, new things come about, and you're going to get air pollution. But that's been, you know, London might not be the cleanest place in the world, but it's been cleaned up from what it was 100 years ago, from what it was 150 years ago, in the same way New York has. Even though Los Angeles might not be the cleanest place in the world, you know, the smog is terrible in L.A. You can see smog 30 minutes outside the city or 45 minutes outside the city. But generally speaking, like, it's not as bad as it used to be. Pollution is a lot less than it used to be because of new methods and new modes of industrialization, more uh, efficiency, and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So NASA is not being very honest about that. NASA is also not being honest, and they're not telling you some very important pieces of information about our past. The last 100,000 years, officially, 
have been an ice age. Last 100,000 years have been an ice age. In essence, we are coming out of an ice age in the 21st century. About 17,000, 18,000 BC, it's about 20,000 years ago roughly, temperatures began warming, and they began warming really quickly. And all that ice, all that snow, all those glaciers began to melt from the last glacial maximum. And that caused sea levels to rise. As a result of that, a lot of land, probably a lot of land that was inhabited, went underwater. Then a few thousand years later, as the sea levels were rising and ice was melting, there was this drastic return to glacial conditions. This was called the, and is called the Younger Dryas period. Just type these names in, last glacial maximum, Younger Dryas, that's D-R-Y-A-S, and you can just read the official like mainline definitions of what these periods of time are. Then after the Younger Dryas period, there was an immediate warming of the temperatures of the climate again, and those returns to glacial conditions in large parts of the world shifted back to, well, warming and melting and sea level began to rise again. This happened over a very short period of time in geological terms. In case of the Younger Dryas, we're talking about a few hundred to a, to a thousand or so years, roughly. Not a lot of time at all. And when you factor you know, that idea that in a short amount of time, with no human activity, the climate can shift so dramatically, you have to question what NASA and what NOAA are telling you. You have to question what official sources are telling you, especially when there is a highly motivated political cult-like sect behind these official stories and these official narratives of, of what is happening to the climate. Then, about 800 to 1300 AD, a period of about 500 years, there's a, a period of time called the medieval warm period. This is when temperatures were warmer to, than today on average. And again, a period of time when there was no industrialization as we define it now. Then, a few hundred years after that, roughly between 1650 and somewhere between 1650 and like the mid-1700s, temperatures plummeted. And they plummeted because of solar activity declining. This period of time, technically 1645 to 1715, is called the Maunder Minimum. And I had a few people email me about that and thank me for mentioning the Maunder Minimum. You know, don't thank me, ma'am. I'm just doing my job. The Maunder Minimum is something anybody can look up and read about. It's a period of time in which, well, the sun was at a very low level of activity. And you find this all throughout human history. When you have periods of extreme weather, extreme cold, that's because the sun is inactive, relatively speaking. When you have periods of more intense, warmer weather, that's usually because, well, the sun is very, very active. When you have periods of extreme solar activity, sunspots, that also correlates, there's a great book on this called The Invisible Rainbow, that also correlates with outbreaks of quote-unquote diseases, especially the flu, which is where the name influenza came from. It's the influence, the influence of the stars, the influence of the stars, influenza, the flu. So the common denominator here is not industrialization in the 20th century, and it's not 
non-existent industrialization in 800 AD and non-existent industrialization in, well, the, the Younger Dryas period, the common denominator here is the sun, the moon, and the jet stream, furthermore, which is controlled by the rotation, momentum, and the axis of the planet. Much bigger things than your automobile. Now, with increasingly cold temperatures, we're seeing that Earth is actually heading into a period that scientists have referred to for almost a decade now, starting in 2015, as a mini ice age. In 2015, science.org, the Telegraph newspaper, which famously published this story, and some others, discussed how Earth is heading into a, quote, mini ice age. Now, that mini ice age was 15 years away in 2015. Today, it's only about seven years away. Let me get a drink here. <clears throat> My throat's starting to get really scratchy. Uh, so we're about seven years away from this mini ice age. And the temperatures that we see every winter becoming colder and colder and more intense storms, they say is not a result of an ice age, which is natural. They say it's a result of human activity. That article you can read, Is There a Mini Ice Age on the Horizon? Type that exact headline and you'll be able to pull it up or I can email it to you. So with all of this in mind, taking all of this into consideration, we have to ask the question of whether or not what we're dealing with here is a priestly class that basically understands the cycles, they understand how nature works, if you will, uh, a modern priest class exploiting cycles with graphs and propaganda to justify shutting down industrial civilization. <coughs> Excuse me. So even though technology like air conditioners can save lives, whether it's hot or cold, and despite cold killing far more than hot, these pinnacles of human development are demonized as deadly. And if you can't forcibly take away modern civilization from people, well, then you just start to cut it off at the knees which is what we discussed last night. You sabotage food processing and food manufacturing facilities. We saw that all throughout this year. We saw fires. We saw airplanes crash into buildings. Now, this didn't affect us much in the United States because we have so much abundance, but as a result of, well, they say officially the war in Ukraine, but what is more so about lockdowns and the COVID-19 pandemic response, this has caused hundreds of millions of people around the world to be thrust into starvation. You're not going to feel it in the first world. But in the third world, they're going to feel it a lot. So that's part one. Part two is taking out the power. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the same thing is happening with power. At the behest of the environmental standards of the Department of Energy, we saw last year that Texas was prevented from increasing their power supply during a winter storm. Remember that? We also know that the sabotage of electrical stations on the East Coast and on the West Coast, up in the Pacific Northwest recently and a couple of weeks ago, have resulted in things like power outages. And, of course, on top of that, in North Carolina and in Tennessee over the Christmas weekend, we had rolling blackouts because there just wasn't enough power to power those homes, to power those businesses. We just didn't have enough power because, well, the winter storms are so bad. I had a listener send me this. It is a Duke Energy Alert. I assume they live in, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, this is what they said. They got a text message. This is a screenshot of the message. This is what they said to the customers. The extremely low temperatures and high energy demand continue to place an unusual strain on the energy grid. 
please consider powering down all non-essential electrical devices and delaying unnecessary energy use for the next 24 to 48 hours to help avoid rotating outages in the early morning hours tomorrow and today. Now, this was coming into the Christmas weekend. So sabotage, shutting down because of environmental standards, etc. In essence, cultivating what is a quiet war taking place to halt the advancement of human civilization. I don't think it's any, anything else except that. And part of the reason that this is being done is because, well, you can assume there has to be something about human society. There has to be something about industrialization that is a threat, not necessarily, and even if it is to the planet, but not necessarily to the planet, there's a threat to some kind of power in the universe or some kind of power on planet Earth that has nothing to do with the environment, and that is not natural in the traditional sense of the word. Human industrialization, human society, apparently is a threat. You know, the UN, we know, says that education is a threat. Why is education a threat? When they say people that are educated, they consume more resources. When actually it's the, quite, quite the opposite. If you're more educated, you might buy more things because you have more money, but you usually have less children. Usually you live a more sustainable life. So why not educate people? This is, this is officially what the UN says. You know, education is a threat to environmentalism or what do they call it? Sustainability. So there has to be a threat to something as a result of industrialization in human society. So they're trying to cut it off at its knees. And one of the ways that they're doing that is through, well, what tonight's show is about. Atmospheric rivers, bomb cyclones, heat waves with names, and other things you've never heard of before. Being pulled out of a hat like a rabbit to terrify you. To make you think that things are going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse environmentally because some people are living lives that are not in balance, not in alignment with nature. Now, despite the fact that the planet is clearly heading into a mini ice age by 2030, we are being bombarded with reminders that freezing temperatures are still caused by a warming climate. But here's the thing. It's not just planet Earth, and it's not just extreme cold or extreme heat. Planets in our solar system, if you still believe in solar systems, planets in our solar system also are experiencing climatic changes. Now, they might not be in the same way, but we've got reports. If you go online and you type in Pluto or you type in Mars, you can read about how planets like Pluto and Mars are experiencing climatic changes changes and these quote-unquote planets they say pluto's not a planet anymore but these quote-unquote planets couldn't really be further apart in terms of our solar system and they're both experiencing these dramatic shifts in climate the the uh, ice caps on mars have been melting steadily over the last couple of years this is not a debated thing in the scientific community but as those ice caps have been melting so that's warmer temperatures Maybe NASA is right. Maybe those warming temperatures do cause more extreme cold and more extreme snow because NASA this last week has been examining what they call a winter wonderland on Mars. Snow, ice, and frost accompanying the season's sub-zero temperatures. Snow of water ice and carbon dioxide or dry ice. This is what NASA is looking at on Mars. So ice caps on Mars melting. 
and what they say is a winter wonderland on Mars. Lots of snow, lots of ice, lots of frost. Now, the point here is, if you haven't grasped it already, is that Mars is going through a similar situation to what's happening on Earth. So things are changing. What's not happening on Mars is that people are not driving around their Hummers. They're not driving around their minivans. They're not driving around their SUVs. Even though that might be happening on planet Earth, that's not the causative agent for why climatic shifts are occurring. There are two big things here. Number one, context. How long have humans been here? How long have humans done thing that we, things that we blame for climatic shifts? And how arrogant are we to think that our actions can have such a dramatic effect on the environment? We'll come back to that in a second. And the second thing is, what does Mars and the Earth have in common? The Mars and the Earth have in common that they both rotate around the sun, which is heading into a period of, well, another maunder minimum which is basically a time period of low sunspot, low solar activity. That's why things are, generally speaking, getting colder and colder and colder. So that's happening whether you're on Earth or you're on Mars. Now, going back to the first point, when you think about something like altering the environment, altering the climate, and how humans are doing these things, and we need to find solutions to this problem, obviously, renewable energy isn't going to cut it anytime soon. So... As a result of that, a classic problem-reaction-solution type of a situation. I found this story from The New Yorker, and this article is from about a month ago. I didn't see it get much, if any, traction in the media. And it is a story about dimming the sun. Now, we've talked about this on the show before. I have a huge section on geoengineering in my book, The Technological Elixir, available on the website, thesecretteachings.info only. Dimming the sun to cool the planet is a desperate idea, yet we are inching toward it. If you read that article, they talk about how we need to, as the headline says, dim the sun. More specifically, we need to use Air Force planes to spray aluminum. I'm not joking, it actually says that. An effort to inject aerosol particles into the stratosphere. Sulfur dioxide is the most commonly discussed candidate, but aluminum, calcium carbonate, and most poetically, diamond dust have been proposed. Harvard researchers have found it would cost a billion dollars a year or a few billion dollars a year. And it says in the article, any country with a serious air force could probably release sulfur from planes in the upper atmosphere. What does that sound like to you? And doesn't that kind of sound like tampering with the environment? It's weird how anti-genetically modified foods, anti-chemicals, anti-war, all these mindsets have rapidly shifted to the exact opposite in the name of climate change or democracy. We need GMOs. We need chemicals. We need war because we got to save the climate. we got to save democracy. But what, what, what do you expect as we approach 2023? Because 2023 is the year of the water rabbit. And the water rabbit is defined as an animal who avoids disagreement as much as possible, who avoids disagreement at all costs. In other words, we are the rabbits being told to do what you're told to do. Don't ask questions. Trust the experts and pay no attention to that man behind the curtains who is frozen in the name of global warming. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. If my voice holds up, don't go anywhere. Stay with us. 
The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. that you're hearing right now is from White Bat Audio. White Bat Audio allows us to play their music on the show as long as we give them a shout out on occasion. This is one of their newer songs. If you search on YouTube White Bat Audio, you can find this and many more. I am Ryan Gable, your host, and this is the Secret Teachings Radio Show. If you're just joining us, had a little bit of a mishap on Tuesday this week, so we had a show error and had to play Tuesday's show Wednesday. That worked out okay for me because I was up with a little bit of a vomiting episode Tuesday night. That might be too much information, but I basically, I think, scorched my throat with uh, stomach acid. I vomited so much, it was really bad. And um, that I, I do that like maybe once a year, get food poisoning or something like that happens. I think it's like a bodily detox. But I feel fine otherwise, except... When you vomit, you know, your muscles get strained and your throat can get kind of burned up. Maybe it's climate change. I don't know. Maybe it's global warming. But my throat's kind of burned up. I've been coughing a lot in the first segment. So please excuse that. And I appreciate you staying with us on the show tonight. I'm going to push through and do my best to uh, to complete the broadcast. So I want to explain something that I found interesting that, that really doesn't have much of anything to do with official narratives on climate change or global warming or geoengineering or anything like that. And that is, as we discussed last night, there was an AP article that we talked about from Tuesday that said 37, roughly, it was like 34, 35, something, something like that. People had died. 
from these winter storms. Now, as of last night, it was somewhere around 60 people had died. But like we reported on the show yesterday, most of the people that had died were in a single place. They were in western New York, and particularly they were in Buffalo. Now, as of this morning, that number is still 60 people. And more than two dozen died in Buffalo. The numbers are actually 60 people dead from winter storms, 37 estimated to have died in Buffalo, the city, alone from these storms. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. That means over half of all the people who died, died in a single place. And that's an important piece of information because it means that when the Associated Press or any other newspaper, any other news outlet says, XYZ number of people died, might be a true statement. What's not in context, however, is how many of those people died, number one, because they were homeless, Number two, because they, maybe it was because like number one, they're homeless. They couldn't get shelter in time. Maybe they did something stupid. Maybe they knew there was going to be a storm. You live in Buffalo and you decide to take your car out anyway. You go drive somewhere. You don't have a blanket in the back. You don't have any provisions, which you should have if you're living in an environment like that. And you succumb to the weather and you die. Uh, Or the other thing is a lot of people die in places like that the exposure to the cold because their power goes out. So there's a lot of reasons why people die. So that's the first piece of contextual information. The second piece is if most of the people in the overall group of people who are dying live in a certain place, it gives the false impression that these storms are that bad everywhere. It implies that every part of the country experiencing these storms are experiencing a great loss of life, which is not the case. Places like Buffalo get hit with storms like this all the time. This is Buffalo, New York we're talking about. Now, I don't know if you know much about western New York or you know not much about Buffalo, but this is a really, really cold and dreary and depressing and suicidal place to live. I lived in, so for some background with me, if you don't know, I lived in Rochester for about three years and change. I moved there because of my, my son. And Rochester was one of the most disgusting places I ever lived. Unfortunately, Tucson, Arizona, within the, I lived here in 2017, within the, the five years since I lived here before, this city has also turned into a, a, a pretty disgusting place because of government policies, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, Rochester was a pretty gross place but because of the weather, but when you go to Buffalo, Buffalo is way worse than Rochester, and that's because you get the lake effect. You get the lake effect snow, you get colder temperatures. I mean, the, the Great Lakes are so big, they basically have their own, their own uh, environment, their own atmosphere. And they, all that gets dumped on Buffalo. So Buffalo gets this kind of thing all the time. So living in a place like, let's say, here in Tucson, if you live in a place like Tucson, you probably should keep a bottle of water, like a gallon of water in your car. Um, you probably should keep some kind of provisions in case in the summertime you break down somewhere. You go out in the desert, you break down, you're going to need you know, some water at the very least. Same thing if you live in, in Rochester, uh, you live in Buffalo, you live in some place it gets really cold, you live in Chicago, it gets really snowy, you live in some place where the weather can be very extreme like that. You probably should have a couple of blankets in your car. That's common sense. Some people don't do that. They die. 
Some people are homeless. They can't get to a shelter. They die. The impression that the media gives is that all these people are dying because of extreme weather, which is, of course, is caused by industrialization. So if we shut off industrialization, nobody dies anymore. However, it's such an asinine thing to suggest that. It's so foolish to suggest that because what they're ultimately saying is if we shut off all forms of industrialization and we cut our carbon emissions in half by 2030, we'll save those 60 people who died from extreme weather in these cold storms and these snowy storms, these blizzards over the last couple of days. So they're playing on people's emotions, the public's emotions about those handful of people who died. What they don't tell you is when you shut industrialization down, when you shut down the manufacturing of products, when you shut down the manufacturing of, uh, of um, food products, of things people need to survive, a lot more people die. Like the large number of people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, maybe hundreds of millions, who died or were thrust into starvation and poverty as a result of lockdowns, as a result of COVID-19 mitigation, quote-unquote, policies. And then on top of that, when you have what amounts to the sabotage of food processing, manufacturing plants, the sabotage of energy facilities, of power substations, and of course, the Department of Energy and the EPA telling uh, states that they can't activate their power systems, they can't generate the power they need to power people's homes during cold uh, cold uh, uh, environments, during storms, during blizzards, and things like that, or in the summertime for that matter, then it's almost like there's this concerted effort to sabotage industrial civilization. You know, it's not just the idea that, well, we should reduce our carbon emissions to get to a point where we don't pollute with CO2 as much. I mean, this is just literally sabotaging the food supply, sabotaging the energy systems. And what would that do ultimately in the end? Like if you shut down, let's say, all the power, you shut down all the food processing, what's going to happen? A lot more than 60 people are going to die. That's, that's I mean, that that's just should be the mic drop. That should be the end of it. A lot more people are going to die when you deindustrialize the world. A lot more people are going to die from things that they shouldn't die from. And yet these experts, these scientists, these so-called journalists, these news outlets, I'm sure a lot of them use AI to write this stuff. They're telling you 60 people died, taking it grossly out of context, because these storms are worse because of climate change, which is because of industrialization, which is CO2, which is you living your life the way that you want to live your life. So that must be... If we, if it must be the cause, if we stop you from living your life and we deindustrialize the world, then we can stop these 60 people from dying in the winter. But it's eerily similar to COVID-19 deaths, isn't it? People that die in car crashes, people that have heart attacks from unrelated reasons, but they test positive for COVID-19, they died of COVID-19. Just like in Australia, they had to change the usage of words from and with They were saying people died from COVID-19. They had to change that to with COVID-19 because it was obvious people weren't dying because of COVID-19. They were dying with COVID-19. I think, in fact, the only person that didn't die of COVID-19 who had it was George Floyd. If you read his autopsy report, it literally says he had COVID-19, but he died of a fentanyl overdose, not a cop's knee on his neck and not COVID-19. He died from fentanyl. The point here is, When you tell people all these people are dying because of climate change, 
but most of them are dying in places like Western New York, which has a consistently miserable environment and a consistently miserable climate. Buffalo always gets this amount of snow or something similar to this amount of snow, this amount of ice, this amount of of uh, of moisture and precipitation. They always get this off of the Great Lakes. This is what it's like to live in Buffalo. And the strange thing is, I want to read you this from the USA Today. It says, as of Tuesday morning, the National Weather Service in Buffalo had reported more than 51 inches of snow at its office in Cheektowaga, New York. The 43 inches that fell through Sunday, this was Christmas, was the third snowiest three-day period on record. Stephen Welsh, a meteorologist in that office, told USA Today on Tuesday. Weather records for the location date back to 1870. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but I want you to listen to that again. The 43 inches that fell through Sunday was the third snowiest three-day period on record. The third snowiest three-day record. Now, that three-day record is probably different than a two-day record or a four-day record or a whatever record. This is how they create narratives. Is this the most snow that Buffalo has ever gotten? No. Is it the snowiest three-day period ever? No. Is it the second? No, it's the third snowiest three-day period ever, going back to 1870. We're missing a lot of context, wouldn't you say? Furthermore, there's a lot of context missing with the headline of the article. This is real-time Winston Smith 1984 memory holding. This article was originally published December 27th. This was Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. The headline of the article was initially, and I know this because I screen, I took a screenshot and I printed it, climate change could actually make lake effect snow storms worse. However, when I went back to the article today, that headline was changed, probably because it's an, it's an absurd article. And if you've talked to anybody from Buffalo or Western New York, they would say lake effect snow has always been a a big deal. It's not climate change. But they changed the headline. Climate change won't make winter storms and blizzards go away. Scientists explain why. So let's see what the scientists have to say. Erie County's executive director, Mark Poloncars, said the storm, the second of the season, was the worst storm probably in our lifetime. Every time there's a storm, it's the worst storm in our lifetime because you're experiencing it at that moment and you don't have any perspective on other storms. Despite the fact that Buffalo famously, famously is known for their, well, ice storms and their blizzards. In fact, if you live in western New York, might be taught this in school, uh, it was in the 1970s, you can look this up, National Weather Service has this on their website, weather.gov. The costliest ice storm on record struck a large section of western New York in 1976. Ice was reported to be four inches thick in some spots. Erie was one of those spots. Now, maybe Mark Poloncars is right. It's the worst storm in our lifetime. But that doesn't mean it's the worst storm on record. The ice storm of 1976 was a whole lot worse than anything Buffalo has gone through in the last couple of days. 
I'm not saying I'm excited that people died. I'm just saying that we need context to this. Buffalo is one of probably the most, I mean, in my opinion, one of the worst places to live, if you, especially if you don't like snow and ice. You're going to get that. But Buffalo is kind of like, it's kind of like Phoenix in that way. You know Phoenix is hot. Phoenix is like 70 degrees in the winter. In fact, Phoenix was 70 degrees this weekend um, on Christmas night during the night. No sun, 70 degrees. That's pretty hot, wouldn't you say, for Christmas Day? But that's Phoenix. You know it's going to be hot in Phoenix. If it's snowing and there's an ice storm in Buffalo on Christmas, that's not a surprise. That's not a, 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 a new thing. Context matters. Now, if there's a snowstorm in Phoenix on Christmas Day, yeah, we might have some problems. If Buffalo, New York is a sweltering 90 degrees on Christmas Day, yeah, we might have a problem. (laughs) Something changed. Something's happening bad. Something bad's happening. We might all die. But that's that's not what's happening. It was not the worst storm in recorded history. It was the worst three day snowstorm since 1870. Before 1870, we just don't have records, but it's a three-day storm. What about a two-day storm? What about a one-day? What about a four-day storm? What about a five-day storm? They never talk about this in context, which is extremely misleading and I think the epitome of unscientific. And then to change the headlines, climate change could actually make lake effect snowstorms worse. Well, That's kind of an absurd headline, so they had to change it to climate change won't make winter storms and blizzards go away. Let the scientists explain why. And this is their argument. Scientists say extreme weather events, such as the Buffalo blizzard, we're naming it, could happen more often or be more intense as the Earth's climate changes. There's no doubt about that, that if average air temperatures are warm across the planet for decades the atmosphere can hold more water vapor. But that doesn't mean the atmosphere will hold more water vapor. It just could, theoretically. And in those locations, and this is I'm reading this from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, in those locations where it does hold more water vapor, this could increase the potential for extreme rain and snow events. That's what NOAA says. In other words, warmer temperatures during some parts of the year can cause water vapor, which is pretty much all of the atmosphere, to hold, uh, for the atmosphere to hold more water vapor in those locations, and that leads to more rain and snow when it gets cold. The thing is, temperatures are pretty consistent with how they've been throughout human history. Temperatures go up and temperatures go down. We're actually doing a lot better today than we were 100 years ago. 100 years ago, hundreds of thousands of people used to die from natural disasters, weather events, whatever you want to call them. Now we're down to under about, was it 8,000 people a year die from those kinds of conditions. A lot more people die from cold than from hot. More people die in freezing temperatures than in hot temperatures. A lot of the people that die in both are dying because of exposure. They're dying because they do stupid things. They die because their power goes out or because it's cut off or because of sabotage or some kind of terrorist attack, like on the east coast of the United States, like in the Pacific Northwest. 
rolling blackouts to conserve energy because we can't turn the energy up because the DOE said we can't. Those are the reasons people die, but a lot more people die from cold than hot. A lot more people. We have less wildfires today and wildfires that burn a lot less acreage than they did in the 1930s. We have fewer extended heat waves today than we did in the 1930s. This is all documented through the National Forest Service, the uh, I believe it's the National Forest Service. I know the Environmental Protection Agency. This is all documented. Way less severe weather today, including hurricanes. Hurricanes are not any more severe today than they have been in the past. And and uh, in fact, one uh, one study showed, admitted, I should say admitted, acknowledged, acknowledged is the better word. The reason that we seem to have more extreme hurricanes is our perception. That's one of the most scientifically accurate things I think I've I've read recently. Uh, It was because of our perception, because of the way that we observe hurricanes, that they seem to be getting worse. And a lot of the way that we do that is, of course, through, well, how much financial damage does this cost? And a lot of that has to do with having more expensive things and more more expensive places, you know, on the coastlines and fire lanes and then not doing forest management. And there's a lot of things that contribute to this. But deindustrializing the world isn't going to save those 60 people that died in the winter storms. It will, however, thrust hundreds of millions of people into starvation and poverty, which will lead to millions and millions and millions of people dying needlessly because we've deindustrialized the world. They won't share uh, share that context with you. Now, when you think about 2030 as a date, that a lot of people have given for this huge climatic um, end of the world scenario. It's really weird that for at least seven years now, scientists have been saying that 2030 marks the period when we will enter into a mini ice age. Some believe I'm one of the people who believe that this, I don't know for sure, but this might actually not really be like a new ice age. Like this is basically the, an extension or part of a larger cycle of the ice age that the earth has has been under for 100,000 years. And then the, you have, again, as we discussed last night, you have the last glacial maximum, and then you have all this melting, and then you have the younger Dryas with glaciation again, and then you have uh, melting again right after that. Then you have the medieval warm period where things are really warm and hot, and then you have the Maunder minimum, 16, 1700s, and then, well, again, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Temperatures might be increasing But where are they increasing from? They're increasing from temperatures being lower than average or right on cue, right on par. And those temperatures that decrease were decreasing from a period when they were really hot. And then they go down and then they go up and then they go down and they go up. And if you isolate part of that chart, you can make it seem as if temperatures are unnaturally hot or unnaturally cold. Context is probably the most important thing to recognize in all of this. The other thing to recognize is, I read this article on the 24th. I read this on Christmas Eve. I saved it for the, of the show tonight. NASA explores a winter wonderland on Mars. Snow, ice, and frost accompany the season's sub-zero temperatures. Water ice, carbon dioxide, or dry ice. The types of snow that the Martian atmosphere excretes onto the planet. Now, Mars has a completely different atmosphere 
if they have an atmosphere, if Mars has an atmosphere. This is all mainline science, right? They don't really have an atmosphere. The atmosphere was lost. So there's a lot of stuff going on in Mars. We don't know exactly what's happening. Maybe Mars isn't a planet. I don't know. My, my point is, if you look at the solar system, the mainline model of everything, I'm just basing this off of the mainline narrative. Planets from Mars to Pluto are experiencing climatic shifts. That's because of the sun. That's because of solar activity. Period. Mars is experiencing a climatic shift into a frozen wasteland, according to NASA, much colder than it normally is. But Mars also has melting ice caps, so things are getting warm there in other parts of the year. What could cause these things to happen on Mars? Well, the only thing that would be the common denominator between Mars and Earth would be the sun. When the sun goes into a period of low sunspot activity, we have colder temperatures, like the Maunder minimum. And when a high period of solar activity occurs, we have warmer temperatures, like the medieval warm period. The sun is the causative agent. The sun is what causes, like the moon, like the jet stream, like the momentum and the rotation of the earth on its axis, weather to change. Now, if we're arrogant enough to believe that human activity has not shifted, but dramatically shifted in a short period of time, everything on planet Earth, and we're all going to be dead if we don't do something about it. I think not only is that arrogant, I think it's a very dangerous mindset because it leads to erratic responses. Erratic responses to fix a problem that isn't really a problem. Erratic responses like, wear a mask and stay inside and don't talk to your relatives or your friends and don't go on dates and don't go to movies and don't go to to bars and don't go to, well, you could actually go to bars. You couldn't go to churches. My bad. Uh, don't go to sporting events. Don't see your, 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 your grandma who's in the hospital. You're going to kill her. And of course, get a vaccine. Erratic responses. Drastic responses. So, the same thing is happening with climate. The same thing is happening with climate change. I've said this for years now, about a year and a half, two years, that SARS-CoV-2 will transition, it will transform into, well, drop the SARS and drop the V. SARS-CoV-2 or CoV-2, COVID-19, is basically CO2. And the same response to COVID-19 with the lockdowns and the masks to prevent you from breathing, is basically a beta test. For CO2, the SARS and the V, that's just kind of like the, that's kind of like the, um, uh, the, the, the structure that you build around a building when you're going to paint it or you're going to redo the side of the building. It's, it's the scaffolding. That's basically what SARS V is. When you take that down, you get CO2. So we need to stop emitting carbon dioxide. Wear a mask, right? We need to stop traveling and going on vacations and just stay home. Well, that's lockdowns and quarantines, right? And in order to prevent this disease from spreading, we need a vaccine. So it's really interesting why and how in the New Yorker article I mentioned earlier, dimming the sun to cool the planet is a desperate idea, yet we're inching toward it. The article ends with this statement, and we'll pick it up here when we come back from break. Solar panels and wind turbines are our best vaccine against high temperatures, but also against the hubris of one more giant gamble. 
And that giant gamble, they say, is, well, dimming the sun, which couldn't be probably more dramatic and more dangerous than heavy industrialization. I, I think blocking the sun out would be a lot more dangerous than driving a gas-guzzling vehicle. In fact, we know that flying in a private jet one time, a couple hours, is more devastating to the environment than driving your car every day for a whole year. More CO2 than you emit in a whole year. One jet flight, one private jet flight. So get a vaccine for the climate. That's what they're saying in The New Yorker. That vaccine will help us. What is the vaccine? Well, it's green energy. That'll help us. If we just dim the sun, we can stop global warming and climate change. Except when you dim the sun with these particles, it actually traps heat and makes the planet warmer. Maybe man-made climate change and global warming is actually very man-made after all. More on this revelation when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Hello. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. 
Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Well, unless you are a climatologist or maybe an environmentalist or a meteorologist or you're an amateur of one of those things, you've probably never heard of an atmospheric river. I'd bet that most people listening have never heard of an atmospheric river. I'd also bet that you probably didn't know what a bomb cyclone was until just a few years ago. Now, these are not new things. They're just not things that are typically talked about. You know about hurricanes and tornadoes and blizzards, but you probably don't want to know what what is an atmospheric river. It just sounds like somebody made that up. But over the weekend into Monday, Southern California experienced what is being referred to as a atmospheric river. Other parts of the country also experienced what is being referred to as an atmospheric river. What is an atmospheric river? Well, according to the Energy Department, The DOE explains what an atmospheric river is. I just found one official government website. An atmospheric river is a large, narrow section of the Earth's atmosphere that carries moisture from the Earth's tropics near the equator to the poles. On average, the Earth has four to five active atmospheric rivers at any time. They carry massive amounts of moisture. Each moves the equivalent of the liquid water that flows through the mouth of the Amazon River. When they reach land, atmospheric rivers release this moisture, producing heavy snow and rain. So an atmospheric river is not a new thing. And unless you're a professional in the field or unless you're an amateur, you probably don't know what an atmospheric river is. I also didn't know what an atmospheric river was. I didn't know what a bomb cyclone was, and bomb cyclones are also in the news. Not only did California, and I believe North Carolina... I heard something about North Carolina. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I know California for sure experienced an atmospheric river this week. It's a natural thing, though, but it kind of sounds new. They actually called it on CBS News a Category 4. That makes it sound even scarier. What the hell is an atmospheric river? And it's a Category 4 atmospheric river. The funny thing is about these categories is you could have... Like if I if I if I had to describe something with like a level of intensity, right? And I said there's a hundred levels of intensity, and this is a category five. Well, you associate that with hurricanes, you're like, oh, that's really bad. But actually, there's 95 other levels of intensity. Silly example, but how many levels of atmospheric rivers are there? How many categories are there? Four, five, six. The bottom line here is atmospheric river is something that you never really heard about, but they say it's a category four atmospheric river. Make that the headline and suddenly it's in your vocabulary. It's new in your vocabulary. So you walk around saying atmospheric river, atmospheric river, and you sound really smart. People have been doing that with bomb cyclones for a couple of years now. I remember the first time I heard bomb cyclone, I thought, Why do people act like they suddenly know what they're talking about? You can call it a bomb cyclone. You can call it an atmospheric river. You can call it whatever you want, natural or otherwise. But the bottom line is, it's weather that we've always experienced. They don't even call winter storms winter storms much anymore. We hear things like a storm event or a a snow event, a rain event. What the hell is a rain event? It's just rain. 
what the hell is a is a snow event? It's just snow. And then different levels of classification. Is it a blizzard? You know, is it rain? Is it sleet? Is it hail? Is it snow? There's levels of classification there. But we go beyond that. A bomb cyclone. What is a bomb cyclone? It's basically a rapid intensification of a storm. And that pretty much means that any hurricane that enters the the Gulf of Mexico becomes a bomb cyclone, if you will, because it rapidly intensifies with the warm weather, uh, warm water. So I read this article from AccuWeather. It says death toll rises in wake of Buffalo blizzard, unrelenting bomb cyclone. The nationwide death toll tops 60 after a ferocious winter storm brought sub-freezing temperatures, trapped hundreds in their homes and buried Buffalo, New York under four feet of snow. That's not a lot of snow for Buffalo, New York, by the way. Four feet of snow, 48 inches. It snowed more than that a few weeks ago. So the death toll rises. How many people died across the country? 60, but how many people died in Buffalo? It's like 37 or something. And how many of those people that died, died of doing stupid things? Like forgetting to bring a blanket in their car or forgetting to bring some food provisions if your car gets stuck. Same reason people die of, uh, you know, exposure to heat. You don't bring any water into the desert. Car breaks down. Not a good scenario. Not a good situation. Doesn't matter if it's hot or cold. Some people just make mistakes. Some people get into bad situations without thinking about it. But did millions of people die? No, just a few people died. Is it a good thing? No, we don't want people to die. We're, we're, we're decent people. We have emotions and we don't want people to suffer. So the solution to this problem is, because the implication is 60 people died, and although 37 or more of them were in Buffalo, one place, it gives the false impression that it was all over the country. People were dropping dead everywhere from the snow. It gives the false impression that if we define bomb cyclone and blizzards and snow events as a result of global warming, and even though there is a slight connection, it doesn't make sense on the surface to the average person, so it's confusing, so scientists have to come out and explain to you even warming temperatures can cause this kind of an event, extreme weather. But the weather is taken out of context. It's always bad in Buffalo. Four feet of snow is not a lot of snow for Buffalo, second of all. And third of all, people die for a lot of different reasons. Did they die from the storm, from exposure? Did they die because their power went out? They were on a machine? A lot of people die for a lot of reasons. Why did they die? It's just like COVID-19. Why are the people dying? The bomb cyclone, the what they call a, it's a, a Category 4 hit California. It's Northern California. A category 4 atmospheric river. Just a bunch of moisture. But it sounds scary when you say it like that. It's a Category 4. Category 4 what? Atmospheric river. So what does that mean? This means a lot of water. That's all that it means. What's a bomb cyclone? A bomb cyclone, a snow event. What is that? It's just snow. It, it's just the intensification of a storm. So the death toll rises, and they say that this is caused by implication, and in some cases NASA directly says that this is caused because of climate change, and that's caused because of CO2. And that's caused because of humans. Therefore, humans are the responsible party. And humans, or human industrialization, human civilization, is the root cause of the issue. And if you can't forcibly take away modern civilization from people, then you just cut it off at its knees. You sabotage food processing and manufacturing facilities, as we discussed last night. You intentionally initiate rolling blackouts. Because 
The federal government won't let you increase power production to meet the demand. You cultivate through sabotage of electric substations from East Coast to West Coast. What is clearly, and you engage in what is clearly a quiet war taking place to halt the advancement of human civilization. Industrialization can lead to pollution like London was famous for, but London also was cleaned up because of industrialization. Technology like air conditioners use a lot of energy, but they also save a lot of lives. And an air conditioner that keeps you warm, you know, something I didn't have context for as a kid because I lived in Florida. I always thought an AC meant it keeps you cold. I didn't know you could turn the heat on. (laughs) You didn't need heat when I grew up in Florida. So I always thought an AC was, you know, cold. But whether it's hot or cold, an air conditioner can keep you warm in freezing temperatures and keep people alive who otherwise might die. In other words, something like an air conditioner is being demonized as deadly when an air conditioner actually saves a lot of people's lives. So what's happening here is atmospheric rivers, bomb cyclones, or when we started naming heat waves recently, and all these other things you've probably never heard of, they're just being pulled out of a hat like a rabbit. And they're meant to shock you. Oh my God, how did he pull that rabbit out of the hat? Oh my God, an atmospheric river. What the hell is an atmospheric river? It's a category four. Get into the bunker. It's just a bunch of moisture. That's all that it is. Meanwhile, scientists want to dim the sun to cool the planet and to, quote, prevent warming. Which, if this is being proposed, if this is being done, regardless of what your take is on the act of geoengineering, it is, by definition, the ultimate interference with nature. It's odd how anti-GMO, anti-chemical, anti-war, anti-all-of-this-stuff types of people have suddenly, like a bomb cyclone, it's bomb psychology, they've suddenly and rapidly shifted to the exact opposite viewpoint. People that were once anti-genetically modified foods are pro-GMOs because it'll save the planet from climate change. People that were anti-chemical are suddenly pro-chemical, injected into me, spray it everywhere. We have to stop the virus. People that were anti-war are suddenly pro-war. We have to make sure we preserve democracy in foreign countries that are run by Nazis and dictators that don't allow for free speech or free religion or free expression or any of that. It's weird, isn't it? I was actually talking to Clyde on the phone about this the other day. Clyde Lewis, for those of you who maybe you're not listening on GroundZero.radio. And we were just kind of chatting uh, after Christmas about uh, some di- different things in the news. We were talking about the uh, the Pope saying that there was an elegant demon in the church. And we'll probably talk about that tomorrow night here on The Secret Teachings. But we got to chatting and Clyde was like, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? How people that were once anti-war, pro-war, almost overnight. It's weird how people who were anti-GMO are suddenly pro-GMO overnight. It's weird, isn't it? That's an, an idea that I've been playing around with recently and something I've thought and Clyde brought it up to me and we started talking and think about it for a second. Hell no GMO turned into hell yes GMO. We want GMOs. It'll save the planet from climate change. We don't like chemicals, anti-chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides. I'll take care of myself. I'll purify water. Turned into you're a conspiracy theorist if you want to eat healthy. You're a conspiracy theorist if you want to purify your water. You're a conspiracy theorist if you don't want experimental drugs put into your body. 
This is done in the name of climate change, disease, or democracy. Anti-war, no blood for oil, turned into send as much money with no oversight to a foreign country run by a mad dictator who's laundering that money and who has all these shady connections to the president of the United States who's turning a blind eye officially to the sending of hundreds of billions of dollars to this country, who doesn't care about our border but cares about the border and a foreign nation over a, a, basically a land dispute uh, that should be none of your business and, and, and an issue that you shouldn't be dealing with. That's neither here nor there. It's just something to think about. Anti-GMO, anti-chemical, anti-war, and a bunch of other things. Now, suddenly, like a bomb cyclone intensified, rapidly shifting to the exact opposite. Pro-GMO, pro-chemical, pro-war in the name of climate change, disease, and democracy. It's weird, huh? Kind of weird, isn't it? And here's the problem with that. When we approach problems, or worse, perceived problems, problems that aren't even problems, like someone who's not actually sick. Johns Hopkins says, if you believe you're sick, you're still sick. Normalizing delusion. When we approach problems or perceive problems with this kind of mindset, with this kind of attitude, and we, we approach them more so societally with outrage and activism, maybe even victimhood, and with emotion, we don't logically or reasonably, even if it's a real problem, respond in the way that would be helpful, uh, helpful and healthy. We respond in drastic and dangerous ways. And nothing could be more drastic, nothing could be more dangerous than suggesting, let's block out the sun. Now that's not what I'm saying. If you go to our website at thesecretteachings.info and you grab a copy of my book, The Technological Elixir, little plug here. You can buy the book itself. We can do autographs. I have to send those separately, though, because of the drop shipping at the moment. But you can grab the book there, or you can get a digital copy of the book. It's 20 bucks for all four books right now, our end-of-the-year sale. Just a little plug, as I said. But the Technological Elixir has a huge section on geoengineering, where I document all the news articles, all the studies, all the stuff about geoengineering. One thing I don't have in my book because this is a recent story from end of November into December this year, is from The New Yorker, an article that says, dimming the sun to cool the planet is a desperate idea, yet we are inching toward it. Now, some of you might remember, just like anti-GMO activists used to be, well, anti-GMO activists, and now they're pro-GMO activists, just like you remember all the anti-war people, they're suddenly pro-war Remember when dimming the sun or geoengineering or stratospheric aerosol injection or solar radiation management? Remember when those things were a conspiracy? Remember when those things were all just made up, wacky ideas of crazy radio hosts? And then they became the crazy, wacky ideas of right-wing conspiracy theorists in particular. And then they became normalized. And suddenly, oh, we have to do that. We have to geoengineer. We have to save the planet from climate change. But you, you might remember when this was just a crazy theory, right? It doesn't matter if John F. Kennedy talked about weather control back in the 60s. It doesn't matter if there's a, a UN agreement on weather control and not using weapons, uh, weather control for weapons of war. It doesn't matter if the U.S. attempted to use weather control in uh, Vietnam or uh, I can think of two off the top of my head, Storm Fury and Project Popeye. You can look that up on the government's websites. Uh, NOAA, I think, has a section on that. 
doesn't matter if all those things happen. What, what matters is now is we need this because it's, it's going to help us with climate change in the same way that like, you know, natural immunity for COVID-19 was a conspiracy theory. But then after the fact, oh, it's actually a real thing again. Dimming the sun. What could be more dangerous than that? Driving your car? Let's just listen to the official narrative. You drive your car, you have a child, you eat meat, and these are causing dramatic climatic shifts. When you do them consistently over lifetimes, over generations, with industrialization and living modern lives, we are destroying the planet. That's the idea. Now, I want you to, I want you to hear me say it. I don't believe in polluting. <laughs> I don't believe in waste myself. Personally, I don't eat meat. It's personal choice. I don't like meat. I think it's expensive. I think it's gross. That's my opinion. I also know meat, if you consume it consistently and in large amounts, will absolutely activate cancerous responses in your body. That's not a debated thing in the medical and nutrition literature. Doesn't mean if you have a sausage link for breakfast once in a while, you're going to die automatically. But those are the reasons I don't eat meat. I also, up until relatively recently in my adult life, didn't even own a car or you know use a car. I walked everywhere. And I didn't eat meat and I walked everywhere. I took the bus. Not because of climate change, but just because I thought it was—I thought it was rational. I don't like spending—I don't like spending money. I don't like living excessively. That's just my opinion. That's my the way I want to live. Do I care if other people live differently? No, not really. Just don't bother me with it. Don't try to force something on me. So there's a way to look at it from a unique point of view. I don't do any of those things. I don't eat meat. I don't drive expensive cars with, you know, large emissions. I don't do any of that stuff, but that doesn't mean that I believe in the climate change narrative. In fact, studies have shown one in Michigan, uh, Michigan University, and this is, I think this is in my technology book as well, that people who say they take the bus, people that say they recycle, people that say they buy green stuff or green, whatever they want to call it, green um, environmentally friendly products are the least likely to actually do it. Uh, And the people that say they're concerned with the environment are the least likely to do the things that they need to do to protect the environment. The people that aren't concerned with climate change are the ones more likely to do those things like not eat meat. Well, that wasn't in the study to be fair, but to do things like not, um, not drive their car, but to take the bus, buy environmentally sound products or environmentally green products. All the things you're being told to do are the things that the people on average who don't believe in climate change already do or are more likely to do. That's in every study. People that say that they're honest and you know love everybody are the most likely to not be any of those things. You know, Jesus didn't walk around telling people, I love you, I love you. He didn't love bomb people. He taught lessons. So that's a caution of, of the psych- psychological aspects of the uh, aspect of this, which is I think they call this moral licensing. Uh, it's like I'm going to start a diet tomorrow. Someone eat a whole pizza tonight. Or I went two days on a diet so I can have a break and I can drink a 12-pack of Diet Coke. You know, it's, a, it's moral licensing. Well, I, I'm saving the planet. I believe in saving the planet so I can do whatever I want. I can drive. I don't have to buy green products. That's for the people that don't believe in climate change. They need to do that. That's what this is all about. So with that in consideration, the New Yorker tries to convince you as a reader that solar geoengineering is essential to block out the sun to prevent further warming of the planet. 
It says in the article, solar geoengineering is essentially to mimic, that's the goal, the idea behind it, is to essentially mimic what happens when volcanoes push particles into the atmosphere. Now, a couple of things happen, whether it's a volcano or it's an asteroid, something like that, or maybe a nuclear winter. A lot of dust and debris and particles and gases and things like that get blasted into the atmosphere. And that can cause temperatures to drastically decline. And that can cause, well, a a dark winter. That can cause a nuclear winter. Just in these cases, without the same kind of radioactive fallout, it could cause basically buffalo-like conditions all over the country. If we had a massive volcano eruption uh, erupt, let's say in the United States, I'm not sure about Yellowstone, but something huge erupted, you know, wherever it erupted, it could turn a lot of the country, a lot of the world into, I mean, if Yellowstone erupted, they estimate the whole world would be basically thrust into the Stone Age. It would block, it would completely block out the sun for, for perhaps years or decades. Those are just estimates, but it's this, it's the idea. What happens though, when you do things like you intentionally put things in the atmosphere to block the sun? Well, one thing they don't tell you is, and this isn't my opinion, this is part of the geoengineering playbook, it might block the sun out temporarily, but it will also trap heat on planet Earth, therefore making the planet hotter. Again, that's not my opinion. So the New Yorker goes into detail about what these scientists are studying. It says... There are at least three initiatives underway that are studying the potential implementation of solar radiation management, or SRM. We've talked about this with Dane Wigington on the show before and others. You've probably heard this on Clyde's show, Ground Zero, many times and other radio shows and podcasts. Solar radiation management uh, is one of the big ones, SRM. A commission, it says, under the auspices of the Paris Peace Forum, composed of 15 current and former global leaders and some environmental and governance experts, Uh, are exploring policy options to combat climate change and how these policies might be monitored. A Carnegie Council initiative of how the United Nations might govern geoengineering and uh, degrees initiatives, an academic effort based on the United Kingdom, based in the United Kingdom, and funded by a collection of foundations that in turn funds research on the effects of such a scheme across the developing world. The result of these initiatives, solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection, things like that, if not the goal, may be to normalize the idea of geoengineering. I don't know if you picked up on that. To normalize the idea of geoengineering. I changed my voice like that when I want you to pick up on it. To normalize the idea of geoengineering. So it's not something that's really safe. It's not something that's not totally insane and dangerous and drastic. They just want to normalize the idea of it. So you accept it, like normalizing the distribution of vaccines before they're actually tested and approved. They want to normalize it, a new normal. The article says it is being taken seriously because of something else that's speeding up. The horrors that come with an overheating world and now regularly threaten its most densely populated places. Now there's something else there that's really interesting. Why does an overheating world only affect densely populated places? Because that's where most of the people live? Is that kind of the ideas? And where people live there, that's where more people are going to suffer? Again, why are people dying in Buffalo? It's because well, a lot of reasons. People are homeless, people do stupid things, and people just get in bad situations. 
but they use words like bomb cyclone and atmospheric rivers and give names to blizzards and heat waves to anthropomorphize them to make them sound scarier and more dramatic. What about the people that live in less densely populated areas? Do they not have any kind of, um, they not feel any kind of effect from an overheating world, quote unquote? And how is the world overheating if temperatures continue to plummet as we head into a miniature ice age by the year 2030? And why is that the year that they tell us the world is going to end if we don't stop greenhouse gas emissions that we're all going to burn up when things are actually getting colder, not just on Earth, but on other planets in the solar system, including Mars? Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So they want to normalize the idea of geoengineering. And they have to do it because densely populated areas are facing the biggest threats. Perhaps... The reason densely populated areas are facing overheating would be because densely populated areas have things, most of them have things that we call airports, really big ones. And airports are where they take the temperature readings. And although temperatures obviously aren't going to be hot 12 months of the year, when you have a temperature gauge at an airport on the tarmac, essentially, where planes are flying in and out of, you find that temperatures, whether in the summer or the winter, are usually a little bit warmer than they are in the countryside. Last night I talked with you about the system of, um, of uh, weather sites across the United States in rural areas. Rural temperature gauges show that there is no consistent warming pattern or trend. The only place that you find a warming trend is in, well, densely populated areas. More people living together, lots of concrete, and these temperature gauges are being uh, used at airports. So you have a lot of things going on there. A lot of concrete. Cities are a lot hotter than the countryside. And, of course, they're measuring the temperatures at the airports. Therefore, when the New Yorker says an overheating world and now regu- that, uh, and that now regularly threatens... Uh, It's most densely populated places. Why is that? A question that we can ask alongside of how are the so many people, 60 people dying this winter of winter storms actually dying? Are they all dying because things just got too cold? They couldn't survive. They died. And how many of those people are dying in a singular location that like Buffalo is not experiencing? uh, they, They four feet of snow. That's not big for Buffalo. And according to the USA Today, the article I read you earlier, this was the third snowiest three-day period on record since 1870, but the third snowiest three-day period. What about a four-day period? What about a two-day period? Questions that need to be asked for context. When we come back from break, we're going to go further into this Dimming the Sun article and you won't believe it. If you haven't read this story, you won't believe what they, well, I would say openly acknowledge in this article. This is what scientists are doing. Big universities, uh, philanthropists, etc. The IPCC, Intergovernmental Pl- uh, Panel on Climate Change, uh, is you know, telling us that we have to cut emissions by 2030 by half. We're all going to die. Not being honest, because... Not giving us context, because if you did that dramatically and drastically, it's going to kill a lot more people than the 60 people that died in Buffalo who probably didn't die because of climate change. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. And also, it is the year of the rabbit we are approaching. 
I'll tell you what that means when we come back from break. www.thesecretteachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings, a show I'm very grateful for uh, the time you guys have given to this subject. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Final segment of The Secret Teachings tonight, hour number two. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think my voice is holding up pretty good. It hasn't cut out much uh, in the second half of tonight's show as it was in the first half. Thank you for bearing with me. Hopefully it'll be a little bit better tomorrow if you're just joining us. I, um, I don't know if I had food poisoning or something happened. I ended up throwing up a lot on Tuesday night and had an issue uh, with the show, getting the show up, and that was all my fault. And what I, what I vomited a little bit and my throat just like was on fire. It burned probably from the stomach acid and <laughs> it's all torn up now. But um, I'm persisting, number one, because there are important things to talk about and uh, I just can't sit around all day. I just can't sit around. I got to do something, got to produce something, got to make something. So I woke up today and I went over to the internet on my computer and I started looking at things to talk about. And I thought, let's just let's do a, a secondary show, a part two, if you will, to the show we did last night, another year older, another year colder. And let's go into something we didn't talk about on that show. And that is dimming the sun. The New Yorker magazine says dimming the sun to cool the planet is a desperate idea, yet we are inching toward it. Solar geoengineering. 
solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection. I don't know if you remember, but at one time recently, these were wild conspiracy theories. These were things that did not happen. They're all made up. They're delusions. They're things that only crazy people believe. And suddenly, in the last couple of years, we've seen an open acknowledgement that geoengineering is not only a real thing, but that experts and scientists are weighing the possibility of implementing such a program or a series of programs to save the planet from global warming. What they don't tell you, though, is that what happens when you spray reflective particles into the atmosphere is one, they rain down onto the earth, into the soil, into your lungs, and two, they could also prevent heat from escaping, therefore essentially warming the planet. Using such technology, especially if only a few countries chose to do it, would affect the national security of other countries. That would cause a big problem, wouldn't you say? could also be used as a weather weapon, something that has been done before and something that is, well, it's something the United Nations has addressed and even John F. Kennedy talked about it. The United Nations has uh, brought nations together and had them agree not to use weather control for uh, military purposes. So a lot of negative effects that could be brought about by this, not just militarily, but when we're trying to stop global warming under the assumption that global warming is causing this irreversible, dramatic, climatic shift, and that's all because of CO2 and industrialization, and because of all these terrible things, we have four feet of snow in Buffalo and a bomb cyclone, according to AccuWeather and others, that took 60 people out of this world. It killed 60 people, this ferocious winter storm. What they don't tell you, though, is how many of those people died in a singular location. Most of them died in Buffalo or western New York. They don't tell you how most of those people died. They all probably didn't die sitting in their homes, the fireplace or their heat on. And which is, again, modern industrial things that keep us alive in extreme conditions, have nothing to do with climate change. And they also don't tell you that things like bomb cyclone or words like atmospheric river, although they're part of maybe a professional field of study, they're not things the average person hears or knows about or uses in conversation. So they know that if they use those words, it's going to sound scarier and you're going to be more likely likely to, excuse me, to pay attention because if they're using things that sound dramatic, like bomb, cyclone, it's like shell-shocked. It's boom, it's big, it's powerful. And it has a lot of meaning that, you know, otherwise, you know, if they just say, well, a blizzard hit New York, well, everybody knows blizzards hit New York. That's not an important or new thing. But if you call it a bomb cyclone or you call it an atmospheric river, it's not a new thing either, but nobody knows what those things are. So they just, they pull these words or names, like we name heat waves, like hurricanes, they just pull these things out of a hat like a rabbit. And you're supposed to be amazed and awed. Oh, look at that. Well, how do you do that? And in our state of awe, we respond by doing things that are, well, as we perceive climate change to be immediate and dramatic, we need to do things that are dramatic, possibly even dangerous, like solar geoengineering. Solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection. And those are very dangerous things, especially when we approach the problem or the perceived problems of climate change or anything else with outrage, activism, victimhood, and emotion. 
And when we respond in drastic and dangerous ways, worse situations can unfold. If you're trying to save 60 people in winter storms in places where you always have nasty storms, and these aren't even the worst storms on record, but you blame it on climate change, you're trying to save those 60 people by shutting down power, by preventing people from using their heat, that's going to kill a lot more people. And you want to block out the sun? That's totally insane. You know, there was an Indi- I think it was an Indian scientist who actually proposed, apparently with a straight face, uh, that we should try to move the move the planet out of its orbit around the sun. That's how crazy these people are. And I'm not making that up either. That's that's a real story. There's an Indian scientist who proposed we should move, and maybe he was being facetious. I don't know. But it's about as crazy as blocking the sun out. We should move the planet off of its orbital axis so it's not so close to the sun. What are these people, like ice demons or something? They need to live in this frozen radioactive wasteland? So dimming the sun, how would they do it? Well, the New Yorker says that it's only being taken seriously first and foremost because we need to normalize the idea of it first before we do it. And it's being taken seriously more so because there are a lot of horrors that come along with an overheating world and things that threaten densely populated areas. Densely populated areas, of course, where most people live. Most people live in places that are made mostly of concrete, So those places are naturally hotter. Most people live places where you have an airport, which is where they normally put the temperature gauges. So cities are going to be naturally hotter. Why is it not an overheating world in rural areas? Why is it that temperature gauges in rural areas show no consistent heating increase? It's almost like there's a, there's a, there's a scope or a bullseye on any populated human areas of planet Earth that are densely populated, big cities, of course, that are industrialized, that have um, basically have uh, modern technology that allows us to live without having to worry about where our our, our feces goes and where we're going to get our next meal. It's all just right there. It's all inclusive. This is a big bullseye on that. There's a big bullseye on human civilization, on on mankind. It's like in the alien movies where the aliens, like in Independence Day, they put the big ships over the big cities. They're not worried about small towns. They're worried about big cities. They're going to destroy the big cities first. It's strategic. It's like a game of chess. That's why they're focusing on specifically densely populated areas that are overheating, not the rural areas because there is no overheating. And in the densely populated areas, they've convinced people that, well, they're densely populated because the world's overpopulated, which it's not. They're densely populated because this is where people congregate. This is where people go to, you know, go to shows and go to clubs and go to get a job. Outside of that, though, it's not overheating. There's no consistent increasing in, in warming temperatures, etc. So that's the first part of the article. The second part of the article says just like the IPCC has been telling us, we need to limit temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, above pre-industrial levels. The method to accomplish this was supposed to be reduction of emission of carbon dioxide and methane by replacing fossil fuels with green energy. Uh, They screwed that up when the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up, but that, again, is a separate issue. So the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has said that we need to cut worldwide emissions in half by 2030. Why 2030? 
In the same way, why was it Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, and then a specific date, Agenda 2030, the new Agenda 2030, which is a specific date, a specific period of time that we're told if we don't dramatically respond, drastically respond, even respond in dangerous ways to climatic shifts, the whole world's going to end, basically. Why 2030? Perhaps because by 2030, the Earth will be entering into what amounts to a mini ice age. And that's because of solar activity, which is also affecting the ice caps on other planets and also affecting planets like Mars, which um, coupled with, uh, you know, uh, the ice caps having uh, melted over, I think it was a period of three, four, five years, they had increased ice cap, ice capped, um, excuse me, ice cap melting on Mars. Now scientists are telling us, NASA is telling us that Mars is getting colder and that there's a climatic shift on Mars. And they were studying Mars. They are studying Mars this this year because Mars is like a frozen wasteland, um, maybe even more so than it ever has been in recorded history. Something's affecting Mars. Something's affecting even Pluto, which is about as far away from Mars as you can get. So the possibility that the world will need to break the glass and implement this emergency plan occurs if we don't, according to the New Yorker, if we don't reduce our emissions by 2030, if we don't cut those emissions in half. Is that going to ha- Is that even feasible? No. If the United States totally shut down, like we didn't do anything, we just shut everything down. We had no power, no food, nothing. It would make zero, zero, that's zero, nil, nothing. It would make zero effect on the climate change narrative because of countries like China because of countries like India. Even if the United States and India just decided one day, look, we're going to shut everything down. Still China, still Russia, still some big countries. In other words, the whole world has to be shut down. And particularly densely populated areas, like those big ships in Independence Day, parking over big cities, ready to destroy them. Something that's parking itself over humanity, targeting the densely populated areas, saying that you are destroying yourselves let us come in and save the day. The enormous step of dimming the sun could turn out to be very easy, at least from a technological point of view. And here's how they would do it. The injection of aerosol particles into the stratosphere. Sulfur dioxide is the most commonly discussed candidate, but, and this is the New Yorker, aluminum, calcium carbonate, and most poetically, diamond dust have also been proposed. According to a Harvard study, a couple billion dollars a year would suffice for paying for these programs. And according to the New Yorker, any country with a serious air force could probably release sulfur from planes in the upper atmosphere. You wouldn't even need a country, though. The New Yorker says it would cost Elon Musk far less to fund such a mission than it did to buy Twitter. Think about that. A single individual could finance such an effort. Bill Gates has already been doing these experiments down in Mexico. They act like this is something that's coming. Coming, it's coming, it's coming. We might do it in the future. No, they've done it for a very, very long time, at least since the 60s, maybe not to the same degree. That doesn't mean everything you see in the sky is a chemtrail. There are really things as such as contrails. But there are other things being sprayed out of planes. This is not a debatable thing. Even the New Yorker now admits, so many newspapers, CNN admits, 
USA Today admits, Bill Gates himself admits, they're doing aerosol spraying in the atmosphere. The New Yorker says the Air Force could do it. Talk about a revelation of the method. So you're telling me that for the last 12 years here on The Secret Teachings, 13 years, I, I, sh- I should say probably like 10 years professionally, roughly. But you're telling me for the last decade, people like myself, people like you have said the Air Force, and we don't even need the Air Force. We could have private companies or individuals that have a lot of money are using planes to spray aluminum and calcium carbonate and barium and sulfur into the atmosphere. And we were told that's crazy. Somebody would admit that that's happening. Somebody would come forward. Well, probably not if it's not really a big deal. Like it's a big deal to you when you find out about it. You're like, oh my God, they're spraying things in the atmosphere. If you're working in the military and that's just your job, and it's not, you don't think of it like a big deal, then it's not a big deal. Do you see what I mean? It's not really a big deal. Like if you, if you're working at a library, let's say, contemporary example, and you're very liberal minded and your boss comes to you and says, we're going to have drag queen story time next week for kids. Well, you're probably going to think, oh, that's great. I'm so glad we're going to bring drag queens with erections in and let them play with children. But if you weren't of that mindset, you would probably think that's alarming and you might go to a news outlet or a radio show or something to get the word out or something. If it's not alarming to you, you're not going to respond. So that's assuming that enough people know about the programs that most people just they don't think about it or they, uh, you know, they might think it's weird, but they're not going to say anything. They're going to lose their good paying jobs or perhaps People are doing things that maybe it's put into jet fuel. You don't even know what's happening. You know, I, there could be there's a lot of ways to slice this. The point is, if you have a certain number of people, I don't know how many people, how many people that know about this, the chances that anybody's going to come forward and the chance that anybody's going to believe you if you come forward are slim to none. And it's all based on whether or not it's shocking to you that this is even happening. Now, the New Yorker and others have said for months and the, the New Yorker just last month, uh, about a month ago says aerosol particles injected into the stratosphere. We already, there's already a name for that, stratospheric aerosol injection. You've heard it on Ground Zero. You've heard it on The Secret Teachings. Sulfur dioxide, aluminum, and diamond dust as well, spraying diamond dust. Now, what could, what could the potential effects of that be? Aluminum is toxic to the body, uh, first and foremost, uh, imagine spraying these things in the atmosphere and people inhaling them and then coming down with respiratory illness. Could that account for respiratory illnesses or is it all just a particle or is it all just the vaccine? Maybe it's stuff in the atmosphere. And if you're doing this because you're concerned with pollution, I mean, there can't be anything more polluting than spraying aluminum nanoparticles in the atmosphere, spraying sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere, spraying diamond dust in the atmosphere. Don't you think that would affect the, the fauna and the flora? Don't you think that would affect humans, the food supply? Don't you think that would affect the climate? It might make things really cold, it might make things really hot, it could create an unstable environment. Doesn't that sound crazy? And it is crazy. It's drastic and it's dangerous, but that's because we approach 
the perceived problem of quote-unquote climate change with no context of the Maunder Minimum, no context of the medieval warm period, no context of the Younger Dryas, no context of the last glacial maximum, no context of the last 100,000 years of Ice Age, no context for the 2030 Ice Age date. We're heading into a mini Ice Age. No context for other planets in our solar system with melting ice caps or with increasingly frigid temperatures and climates. No context for any of that. Just... Bomb cyclone, atmospheric rivers, heat waves with names, pulling these things out of a hat to awe you and to inspire you to take action, to do the right thing, to turn you into an activist who runs on emotion, pure, raw, unfiltered emotion. And you know what the pollutant is that comes out of an engine that runs on emotion? Outrage, victimhood, and dangerous, asinine, drastic, potentially life-threatening ideas like let's block out the sun and it wouldn't cost a lot to do it. Perhaps they've been doing it for a long time. Perhaps when they tell you global warming is man-made, they're right. For a long time, they have been putting aluminum, they have been putting sulfur dioxide and other things into the atmosphere and this has caused a warming of the planet. And as a result of the warming of the planet, that has also caused more moisture to be held in the atmosphere, and that causes more, well, rain and more snow and more intense winter storms. What's the more likely candidate here? You, as an individual, driving your car, going to work, and running your air conditioning, or a few thousand elites that fly on private jets that emit more CO2 in a flight than you'll emit in an entire year that people like myself probably won't emit in two years, three years with the way that I live. Are you a danger or are they a danger based on the official narrative? What's more dangerous, you living and running your air conditioner or the Air Force or private individuals, private groups, companies, whatever, spraying metals and chemicals into the atmosphere to block the sun? That kind of sounds like the ultimate destruction of nature. That kind of sounds like the ultimate interference with nature. The New Yorker goes on to say the most likely problem would probably be not global, but regional. Lowering the temperature of a particular region precisely because it would affect global weather patterns would produce different and hard to predict outcomes in different places. Doesn't that sound exactly like what is happening now? I'm not saying that weather isn't changing or there aren't weird things happening, but I'm asking you two questions while I'm acknowledging that. One, what is the context? Four feet of snow in Buffalo over the last couple of days and the, the snowiest snow season and or the snowiest three-day period since 1870, that is not an alarming thing. The other thing I'm asking you is, what is the context to um, the way in which we, we perceive these climatic issues? Global weather patterns are being affected, we're told, by CO2. But the response to that, the dramatic, drastic response to that is let's spray aluminum and sulfur and diamonds into the atmosphere. And you say, okay, we can do that because the planet is warming. But then what's the consequence of that? Well, the consequence of that, of course, is not only a trapping of heat, which would make the planet warmer, which could then theoretically cause worse winter storms, but it would also affect global weather patterns. In other words, you're telling me that global geoengineering programs would cause warming and cooling 
and would cause erratic weather patterns in the same way that CO2 is supposed to do. I want, I want to read that to you again. Erratic weather patterns. The most likely problem, though, would be probably or would probably be not global, but regional. Lowering the temperature precisely because it would affect global weather, uh, global weather patterns, excuse me, would produce different and hard to predict outcomes in different places. In other words, all the things we're told about CO2 and global warming and climate change are the exact things that would happen theoretically or literally if we implemented these programs. Now, the article says that earlier this year, 60 scholars from across the world joined together by 350 political and physical scientists to sign a letter urging an absolute moratorium or an international non-use agreement on solar engineering. Does that mean that it's not happening, though? No, it is absolutely happening. Global treaties prohibit weather modification as a tool of war, but not as a tool to save the planet from climate change. In the same way that you can't experiment on people to change their eye color, you can't do some Joseph Mangala stuff, but if you want to experiment on people to stop a deadly disease that isn't actually deadly, then by all means, experiment on people. Uh, break the Nuremberg Code. Sure, do it. Whatever you got to do. Because SARS-CoV-2 means you don't get to breathe. It means you don't get to leave your house. It means you get to be injected with experimental things. CO2, take out the SARS-V, means, well, you also don't get to breathe. You also don't get to go out of your house. And you also get basically experimental injections, except they're not injected into you. They're injected into the atmosphere. And that's how the article from the New Yorker ends. It says solar panels and wind turbines are our best vaccine against high temperatures, but also against the hubris of one more giant gamble. In other words, we will do this to the atmosphere, to the environment. We will spray aluminum. We will spray diamond. uh, We will spray sulfur dioxide if you don't allow us to fully transition to what we want a system that we completely control, a system with rolling blackouts like a third world country, a system where only the wealthy have power, only the wealthy have food, only the wealthy have the ability to decide what they do with their lives. The rest of us will be living in an Elysium-type society where the elite live on, well, either a literal or a figurative space station, and the rest of us live on this planet. How is it that cold and warm and weather patterns being affected are the potential downsides of geoengineering, but they propose geoengineering that would cause those downsides as a solution to what they say is, well, increasing cold and warm and weird weather patterns as a result of CO2. Wouldn't it, at the very least, make those problems worse? But, you know, what do you expect when you reach the year 2023? The year 2023 is the year of the rabbit, particularly the year of the water rabbit. The year of the rabbit is described in relation to the animal, a time when we avoid disagreement and we do so as much as possible. The rabbit avoids disagreement and conflict. And the idea of the water rabbit for the year 2023 is that 2023 is the year of the rabbit. It's the year of avoiding disagreement. And what exactly would that mean in context of what we're talking about? It means do as you're told. Don't ask questions. Trust the experts. 
and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, even if that man is frozen solid, and you're told to believe that he's frozen solid because of CO2 and because of global warming, and you're told that because of global warming and, by extension, global cooling at the same time, and erratic weather patterns that you're supposed to believe are totally unnatural, that we can solve this by either shutting down industrial civilization through sabotage and through government policies, or from basically suicide, self-suicide, individual suicide, or we can just respond dramatically and we can spray aluminum and diamond and sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere and you know if you get clever enough to ask what would that cause like what would the effect of that be and well well the effect of that would be colder weather from blocking out the sun then warmer weather because the particles trap the heat and then erratic global weather patterns and you might ask isn't that the same thing that you're trying to stop and reverse and prevent Why would you do something that causes all those problems in the first place? Admittedly, it's not even hidden. It's in the New Yorker. Maybe global geoengineering, stratospheric aerosol injection, solar radiation management have been done for a long time for some some reason. Experiment, science, war, whatever. And they've gone a little bit too far. Maybe people are sick with respiratory problems because they smoke and because they're Certainly is you know are pollutants in the air, but not so bad as they used to be. Uh, maybe it's because of the aluminum and the other chemicals and metals that are in the atmosphere being dumped down on top of us. Wouldn't even need the Air Force to do it. You just need a really wealthy uh, person like Bill Gates who's already invested in this. And then you'd probably want to invest in, well, you'd want to invest in farmland and you'd want to invest in genetically modified seeds that are resistant to aluminum like Monsanto has. And you'd probably want to convince people that GMOs are going to save us from climate change to convince environmentalists that tampering with nature, that tampering with plants and tampering with the environment is the only way to save the environment by turning an organic system into a synthetic system. You'd probably have to convince that people who don't like chemicals should probably spray them all over their bodies and inject them into their bodies to stop themselves from getting sick from a disease but those chemicals will actually make them sicker. Just like the GMOs and just like the weather control, essentially, is what it is, will make the planet sicker. You'd also want to convince people that being anti-war is not a good place to be. That's not a good place to stand. You'd want to be pro-war in every single scenario, in every single case. Pro-war is the war on drugs. It's the war on poverty. It's the war on crime. It's endless never-ending wars that can ever be won. That's why King Charles or Prince Charles at the time said we need a warlike footing to respond to climate change. And when you look at everything through the lens of war, the outcome is going to be destruction and suffering and chaos. Part of the way that we look at things through the lens of war is through sub-lenses of outrage and victimhood and activism. And when we respond with these kinds of emotions to things, we react drastically and in dangerous ways like, I don't know, blocking out the sun. Makes a lot of sense as we approach 2023, we're not allowed to ask questions. The year of the rabbit, the animal that avoids confrontation and disagreements. Just do as you're told, don't ask questions, trust the experts and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain 
even if he's frozen solid. Out of the hat, into the freezing pan. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, sticking with us through the whole show and through some of my uh, throat issues tonight. My voice has been a little bit scratchy. I've had a little bit of coughing here or there. But we got through the whole show. Thank you so much. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Stay safe, stay informed, and stay healthy otherwise. And we will talk to you on the next broadcast tomorrow night, Friday, before the new year.